That that'd be good for him. And honestly, oil fracking would probably be safer for kids as a profession because like acting's the only profession that requires you on a daily basis to put your kids in the car and drive them on purpose to a building that's full of like, you know, pedophiles and sycophants and like people that whiten their dog's teeth and just the absolute scum of the earth people that that are probably gonna fuck up your kids mentally and probably just plain fuck them and i've heard that's bad for their development it's not good for them man i can't even enjoy watching a movie that has a bunch of kids in it like stranger things or something i feel like i'm watching a snuff film of their childhood i feel like i'm watching a movie uh, you know, where the dog dies, but from back before it was illegal to kill animals on screen. Which was 1939. You guys know that before 1939, those horses are not okay. They didn't make it. It wasn't, it wasn't good for them. Man. And then sometimes people will try to tell me, oh, some of the child actors turn out all right. What about Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster's okay. But you guys know, Jodie Foster's like best friends with Mel Gibson. So is she okay? Is she okay? Uh, I got more, but I think, I think I'm just going to stop now. Why? No, more. Aww. amazing. Why? Okay. Um, what did I have? What did I have written on the sheet of paper? Uh, Poker Stories is one of... Testosterone. Testosterone. Testosterone starts off with talking about NPR and like... Uh, I'm not sure. That might be like a little specialized. I don't know. It's just... I, it's a little cute for me lately. You guys listen to NPR often? Sometimes. I don't know. Like Steve Inskeep pretending not to know how to pronounce like rap, you know, words and rap lyrics on the bumper stuff and like... Oh man, Radiolab. Fucking Radiolab. It's like, if you're telling a story that takes place in England, you don't have to play Hail Britannia for me to, like, hold that idea in my head. It's fucking babyish. Um, but anyway, so I was listening to it one day because there's nothing else in the car. They were doing a story about testosterone, like people that had too much of it or too little of it, people that had, like, transitioned their gender or whatever and what that was like. And um, they were going down a list of, like... Uh, of like fact uh, attributes of people that had like a lot of testosterone in their body. And I was hearing it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe identify with some of that. It was stuff like square palms and like a deep voice. And a, one of them literally, this is literally one of them, a wolfish grin. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, another one of them was if you were in high school, voted most likely to Sarah Connor. <laughs> which I was. <laughs> no, that wasn't really one. That wasn't really one. Uh, but the last one uh, they told you about, which is completely real, was that levels of testosterone rise when you are uh, both working out, like in the middle of a really hard workout, or watching violence, even recorded violence, like people fighting. And when I heard that, I knew it was time to take my workouts to the next level by watching <laughs> videos of people beating the shit out of each other first. Yeah. And you guys, it is it works so well. Oh my god. Yeah. I would... you. Go to, go to any kind of fight porn site. It, you know, when you're like watching a video of a fight at 2 a.m. and you get embarrassingly hype about it, like you're- Like UFC? Yeah, sure, that too. But I mean, no, I want them to like mean it. I want someone to have snatched somebody something and then now like an unholy fury is coming down. I watched them all, high school fight videos. Like I didn't get into the Appalachian preschool MMA backyard scene, but that exists. That exists and it's out there. And uh, 
I'm so grateful. But then he got me in trouble because uh, back when I was living my car, I would work out sometimes by sneaking into the fitness room of like a Ramada Inn or something. Uh, you would just like fish a Starbucks cup out of the garbage, have sweatpants on in a messy bun, and then now, you know, bust out a workout real quick before I go fly a sign. And I'm in, I'm in the Ramada one time waiting for somebody with a card to come swipe it through so he can get into the little tiny room with the foggy mirrors and the like one Nordic track. And I'm listening to, I'm, I'm watching the fights on my cell phone with headphones, and then eventually this like elderly dude in basketball shorts uh comes to use the gym which is great for me he stands up he swipes the card and as he goes in i duck in behind him really quick and as i do the door slams shut and catches my headphones and pulls them out of the phone and then now all of a sudden we're like in this tiny room together and there's just the sounds of like get him jeremy get him jeremy fuck him up fuck him up and he was like looking at me kind of confused i was just like this is what music sounds like now. This is what the kids listen to. Um, okay. I don't want to talk about the Myers-Briggs personality index. I don't want to talk about pedophiles. Um, I invented some new dog breeds, I guess. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it just sucks that we have all these dogs that, that are trained to do hyper-specialized tasks that we took all their dogs away. I mean, we took all their uh, jobs away in the span of, like, 50 years. I just don't think it's fair. They're, like, quivering with excitement to do the thing they were trained to do. And we don't let them do it. We got to start over. We got to start from scratch. Dogs for modern people to solve modern problems. You know, like a, a dog, like a retriever. But they only retrieve cash and jewels. And also they can break into people's houses. That's a dog that I could use. Um, you know, dogs that are good for selfies, really glossy, stand in front of you, reflect the light. Um, dogs that, like, secrete antibiotics from their eyes, but every day they change a little bit to keep up with today's fast-paced MRSA outbreaks. <laughs> You know, like a, a dog that, if people call themselves their dog's mom, maybe you hit 40 and the dog's face will change to look like your face. <laughs> so then you don't feel so bad about not completing the biological imperative. I don't know. Sometimes when I'm in public with my dog, she'll be asleep and she'll be twitching like dogs do when they dream and, you know, making little noises and shit. And people are always like, oh, she must be chasing rabbits. Or, you know, stuff that dogs do during the day. But sometimes the dog tries to hump me, so it's like, you gotta figure some of those dreams. Some of those dreams, you're not stopping them. Like, you're into it. Hmm. Of all the things that COVID took away from us in Burlington, Vermont, near where I live, the one thing I can't believe it didn't take away was the axe throwing bar. <laughs> Somehow there's still a bar, it survived the pandemic, where you can go throw axes at the wall and it makes me so goddamn mad. Oh man, I know I shouldn't get that worked up over it. It's just, oh. <clears throat> because they're not chopping wood in there. It's not surrounded by, you're supposed to chop like, you know, 10,000 cords of wood first. They're, they're trafficking in working class signifiers. I don't love that. Plus the fact that you just know 
if it came down to the cut, they're not, they're not even helping people do it. They're not even going to be able to do it. Like, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere chopping wood for the apocalypse. They're in there twirling them around like majorettes. <laughs> and if, in fact, the apocalypse did happen and there was, like, you know, a horde of people from Brooklyn cresting the hill coming to take over my house in Vermont and you needed somebody, you needed one of these Burlingtonians to sink the tip of that axe into the forehead of one of these fucks, they're, they're gonna be like oh, it's not a regulation axe it needs to be tuned uh, so I guess I might as well sure, I'll, I'll do the, the hooker story last cause I gotta get back to those, to the kids they'll probably need me but uh <clears throat> <laughs> Go all, way out there. Go. So, uh, before, uh, yeah, before this life, I used to have like a whole, a whole different one where I had like long hair and uh, long nails and high heels. And oh, for the purposes of this story, I guess it is important, not just a, a brag, to say like, I used to be super hot before I lost like most of my teeth, which causes your face to sink in. I was I was pretty attractive. Like people used to say Angelina Jolie, but that's not true. That's that was way too hot. But absolutely Jessica Alba hot. Yeah. That's an objective fact. I was absolutely as hot as like Jessica Alba. So anyway, um, I also I'm tired of standing up now. So I had parlayed this into like a fairly. I went from Craigslist hooker to like tech bro hooker, which was you know fairly a fairly lucrative enterprise. And which um, kind? Craigslist to what? Huh? Craigslist to what? Like, uh, you know, like a, I, uh, I would say mostly tech bros, oh. is is who I was working for, and so for the setting, of this story is I was in the car with one of these dudes one day, and he was going off about my mom's declawed cat. I mean, you know, like I've been seeing the dude a little bit, and he just hated that my mom's cat uh, had been declawed. I don't, I don't. I know we're not supposed to like it. I don't have that much of a problem with it. I mean, it was still could climb trees. The cat seemed happy enough. Uh, otherwise, it was going to go to an animal shelter in Memphis, Tennessee, which would have been death. So it's like declawing or death, whichever one you think is better. But he was he was all up in arms about it. He's like, oh, man, don't you know? It's just like cutting your knuckle off, your, your finger off at the first knuckle. That's, that's their fingers in there. And I was like, well, honestly, I think cats would be able to make that decision. I think if you offered a cat free room, board, medical care, and food for the rest of their natural life, they'd probably lose the first knuckle voluntarily. I know I would. If somebody was offering me <coughs> free room, you know, food, medical care for the rest of my life, you can have the first, you know, little bone pieces. And he said, do you want to put your money where your mouth is? And I said, what? <laughs> and he said that there was places on the internet, not the World Wide Web, but the internet, where he could put an ad like that, and maybe somebody would take me up on it and, uh, you know, decide to provide those things in exchange for, you know, safely uh, in a medical setting, cutting the tips of my finger off. And I didn't have to think long about it before I said yes, because come on, <laughs> the first knuckles in your finger? What the fuck? You can still dial a phone, pull a grenade, masturbate, Vulcan salute. What else is there? Those four things? Come on, you're good. That's good. That's all you need to do. And so he put the ad on the internet, and uh, surprisingly quickly it got answered. 
Wait, if you had to guess a part of the world from which someone who would take me up on that offer would originate, where do you think? New Jersey. Uh, China. No, not nobody there Tell could afford. Tell me the answer, so I don't sound ignorant. <laughs> what you would now call the UAE? They're definitely they definitely grow some weird ones. United Arab Emirates. Yeah, in that in that part of the world. Um. Did they want your knuckles? <clears throat> Yeah, they actually wanted a whole lifestyle thing. Like that was get, that was getting worked out. You know, am I going to like live at the house? Do I wear a collar? It was finally decided it was going to be just like you know, I had my own oh, separate oh, you domicile. Oh, to you like a cat. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's. that's... Yeah, I don't declaw cats. <laughs> that's not apparently a lot of people don't. I mean, my mom did. I don't judge other people. This is a, a comedy. Uh, anywho, no, it's a conversation too. It's a right because I'm sitting down. Fuck, haha. That's why they make them stand up. Now I get it, or else you're just talking, or you're just talking. Oh, gosh, tradition, tradition. Don't fuck with it. Well, United Arab Emirates have a lot of money, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some free stuff going on. But luckily, before. Before that uh, happened, uh, some other shit went down, and uh, I basically ended up hitting the road because I was being, you know, pretty heavily surveilled by these dudes. But it was kind of a shame because I had already practiced, you know, doing a bunch of stuff that was going to be needed in my new cat lifestyle, like jumping up on the mantle and knocking a bunch of shit off. <laughs> Shitting in a box of sand, much to the dismay of other people at the playground. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sit down now. Alright, Mutiny Radio listener. You are listening to mutinyradio.fm and .sf, and we are streaming live. Also, we have a podcast happening uh, all the way. We have a Zoom call interview all the way from England. That's it's so crazy. In the age of Zoom, we all uh, get to know each other and meet each other here on the interwebs. I am joined by John Cheatham. Hi, John. Oh, let me give you noise. Ha, ha, ha. There we go. There we go. Hi, John. Hi, Pam. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you fantastically. That is great. So you're um, an author. You have a new book coming out. You survived a mob hit? We need a little. Give us some crazy background on on John Cheatham and the amazing book that's coming out and what's going to be happening with your uh, TV miniseries that is unnamed. It sounds like some really exciting stuff happening in, uh, in your life during COVID times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 15 years ago, working for a real estate company in, in England, I, I was asked to assist an American bloodstock dealer from Kentucky to buy an old abandoned racetrack in Bulgaria before Bulgaria joined the European Union. So um, I went out there and got the deal agreed. Uh, I then went back to complete the paperwork, uh, and uh, the Russian-Bulgarian mob shot me, threw me over a bridge. What? Over a racetrack? Yeah. And But it wasn't even... They were going to get their money, or they didn't want... 
It was all a ruse. They they didn't want the American to buy it. They, the Bulgarian mob wanted it. And so the Bulgarian mob shot you. Where were you shot? Through my leg. Through your leg. Uh, Straight through my right, right leg. And that it didn't hit a femoral artery. I mean, obviously you're live. You're talking to us, which is uh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I spent four and a half years on crutches, though, learning to walk. Wow. So it, like, hit the bone, or did it just ruin all of the it, muscle? It, or it, it, it completely shattered the bones. Oh, my God. So did you start writing? Did you write before this incident, or was it this incident that sparked? It was that, that... That incident and having time on my hands um, that kind of brought me to writing. Uh, I'd, I'd been interested when I was at school and stuff, but life takes over, sort of work and whatever's going on in your life takes over. Yeah. So um, I didn't have a great deal of time. I was always working, always busy. And then when that happens, you suddenly find... You were at home for four years. <laughs> so COVID's easy for you. You're like, B, I've been at home for four years. What are you talking about? This, uh, oh no, you have to <laughs> yeah. be in your house for four months. Poor baby. It's like four years. Wow. Yeah, this, this lockdown is just a warm up. <laughs> so uh, is your book nonfiction or did you write a fiction book? Based off no, it's the... not no non non fiction. Um, it's going to be the the gritty truth about everything that happened out there. Are you not afraid that they're going to come after you again? I mean, no, it's the Bulgarian I'm not, I'm not... mob. They're not going to come after no, you. I, I, I survived them once. <laughs> they, 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 no chance. I'm a tough Brit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, four and a half years, shattered leg. But you can walk again. Yeah, yeah I can oh, walk, walk almost normal. Wow. Uh, but you still have a real job, so this is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. still back, back in real estate, doing what I've always done. And just... So did you get an agent and a manager, or how are you... How did you... How are you putting out this novel? Do you have a publishing company no, you're going I, through, I, or...? I, I, um, I, yeah, there, there is a TV producer meeting me next week <gasps> in London to take care of all that. Wow. That's really, really exciting. Did you, now did this all come about because of COVID? Once you were on lockdown, you had the ability to kind of sell your wares or talk to people about what happened? Or was it, has this been in the works for many, many years? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, a little bit. Just before lockdown, I was at a uh, sportsman's dinner, you know, sportsmen that have retired, they gave sort of like charity events. Sure. I, I was at one of, one of those with uh, an ex-boxer, uh, a lightweight boxer, and in walked uh, a lady from from my local area who was the first female world champion boxer. Wow. And uh, they're, they're doing a film in Hollywood about, about her. 
and she she knows me from old. She grabbed hold of me and said, what's all this story about Bulgaria and you? She said, I've heard a little bit. What's going on? And I, I told her briefly. She said, right, I've got an agent in London that wants to talk to you. He'll ring you on Monday. And then lockdown came. Yeah. Uh, and we've not, we've not been able to meet. We've, we've been sending the odd email and the old conversation. But he emailed me last week and said, look, lockdown's been lifted now. How are you for the end of July? Coming to London to meet me to get this done. Fantastic. Hey, that's, I mean, well, it's terrible that COVID happened and everything got shut down, but that you still have the connection and, and that, because this is a really exciting project. Also that it involves, you're a Brit, you were brokering on behalf of an American in Bulgaria. Like it's, it's just, it's like a, it's kind of a, a mind twist of what's going to happen and all the cool accents, like. What does a Bulgarian accent sound like? <laughs> it's gonna be... It sounds like, yeah, average Russian. Oh, all right. So Russians. So how did you get involved with the Americans to broker this racetrack deal? That just sounds so... I, uh, I, I, well, uh, this is the tale at the end of the oh. story. That'll be amazing. There's a large company in America not mentioning any names, but they're in Pittsburgh, uh -huh. and they begin with W. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh. Okay, so the, the American bloodstock dealer's wife worked high up for this company. Now, she was in England, in my local area, brokering a deal for, for something here. And her husband joined her while she was here for about five years. Well, all that time they were here, they they leased a house from me. Ah, it's the real estate. It's just so funny because you wouldn't think something. When people think real estate, they think kind of mundane. You know, they don't think like world travelers and brokering these big deals and 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 the mob and getting shot you usually think like oh you know it's real estate buying and selling things but... yeah you, you think it's easy you think you're gonna have a, a little old lady coming around buying a little house and moving in and everything's good but now it's uh there's some messy messy business out there wow and you got wrapped up in it so yeah we're did you know the mob was involved, or was it like all of a sudden it was thrust upon you that, oh, geez, I'm it was dealing with all, the mob. All of a sudden, <gasps> I got separated from someone I was talking to, and I got shot and pushed over a bridge. <gasps> How? Okay, so now you have to tell me a little bit of the survival tale. So you're in the river, you're bleeding. No, no, it was a, a, a road bridge. It's like... Uh, I landed on tarmac. Oh my God. You're lucky you didn't get hit by a different car. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I landed on tarmac. I must have I must have passed out, but I must have come round very, very quickly because they the mob who shot me were running around 
the bridge to try and finish me off. Whoa. But I I could see all the blood and the bones and <gasps> things from my leg. And behind me was a cab light. So they were about 15, 20 feet away was a, a cab wow. waiting for business. Oh. And he, he, must have, he must have seen what happened. And he reversed and picked me up and sped away. Oh, my God. That's insane. You got, you know what, even if you got pushed over the bridge onto a road below, you didn't crack your head open. Like, even the fall could have been even worse. But there's bones sticking out. You're bleeding all over the place. Did they did they clip a femoral artery, or was that why you didn't die? Because, like, it seems kind of an amazing yeah, shot. Yeah, I, 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 amazingly, no arteries were clipped. Wow. But the bones, I, I landed on, on my right leg that I'd been shot through. Whoa. So the bone the bones just compounded from my knee to my foot. Wow. Well at least it wasn't the other leg because then it could have been one leg was shot and broken and shattered. And then if you would have fallen on the other leg, then you really would have had you would have two broken legs. And then what of do you course, do? Yeah, I, I, I would have died if that happened. Oh that's so incredible that you're alive. And the cab driver just happened to be there and he reverses and what he like you're still lucid? You're still awake at this point? He reverses his speed. He throws open the back door, drags me into the back of the cab and sped off. Wow. And just straight to the hospital. Uh, but wait, wait. this is in Bulgaria. No, he, he, took, me to, he took me to my hotel. Oh. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? And he, we screeched at the hotel. And he opened the door and threw me out in front of the hotel. Whoa. Because he didn't want to be connected with it. (gasps) Oh my God. Well, absolutely. He wouldn't want to be connected with it, that either he did it or that he knew who did it or anything because then they could find him. Wow. And so you're in front of your hotel bleeding and you just, are you screaming like, help me, help me? Or were you just in so much shock that you? I I was in shock. So I was very, very calm. Um, But, um, the people from the hotel came out, got me an ambulance. But next day at the hospital, um, the the police came and beat me up. What? The, the police police were employed by the mafia, <gasps> oh. so they they came and beat me up and made me sign some papers to say nothing happened. We haven't seen anything. You're just going to go home and forget all this. Right, that you were just randomly shot on the street in Bulgaria. Don't say anything. Don't tell your government. This definitely wasn't mafia action. There's no there's no mafia in Bulgaria. (laughs) Sign the DNR. Did I mean, did you incur a lot of. I mean, this is kind of a mundane question, but did you incur a lot of uh, medical bills that you had to. Compensate for um, in the future? The, 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 I had travel insurance, and oh. the Bulgarians cor- corruptly milked a lot. Of course they did, because you have the insurance so that they could just say, oh, yeah, this juice is $12, and that's why we... Wow. Yeah, is everything yeah. a racket in Bulgaria? Is that what happens when you're in, uh, like, an uh, iron... It's, it's, still, it's still a racket. The, the police officers... To date, I mean, we're talking 2020, 
I paid $30 a week. What? Doesn't give you a lot of incentive so they to earn, keep people they safe. Earn their money. They earn their money from being corrupt. Of course. Right. Oh, my God. What a terrible system. That's crazy. That's crazy. And that was only, I mean, and this, this happened 15 years ago. So we're talking 2005. This isn't like some yeah. 1988, like, story from long ago. This is recent, really recent stuff. Wow. Yeah. So you don't now, have any fear. Now, um, you don't have any fear that uh, that they're going to come after you now. You, you've beat them once. There's no way. Because if this, uh, this is going to get big, there's going to be... I mean, are you going to use change the names to protect the innocent, or are you going to go with, like, okay. John Cheatham? I, I, the, the, the two Americans, of course, I have to. Now, apparently, I'm not sure if it's true or what, but the, the Bulgarian mob continually shoot each other, and the Bulgarian person, the mob who shot me, apparently got shot down driving his car in the middle of Sofia about 12 months after he shot me. Uh, well, karma is real, I guess, especially if you're in the mafia. <laughs> like, how about, don't shoot people. Um, yeah. This happened, you were 30, you were 39 when this happened. How much, yeah. how much, of your life, do you, did your life completely change after this? Did it change dramatically? Or, like, is completely, this... Completely, completely, completely. I, I lost my house. Oh. My house was repossessed. Uh, I, I managed to keep on to my job, although I lost most of my income because I, I couldn't do much. Right. I couldn't go out on appointments. I couldn't take listings. I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't drive. Right. Um, so I, I went into a small rented apartment right by the office. Um, people who've been my friends, I never saw them again. Oh. Uh, life just completely changed overnight. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, just not being able to walk and not being mobile. And then... I'm sure you were on a ton of pain medication. So that doesn't make it easy to work. It's, I mean, it's impossible to like, if you have a huge injury like that, to work and heal at the same time. It just, it just, it just isn't possible. There's just not enough time yeah. in the day. <laughs> the, 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 the real issue why I was on crutches so long was the Bulgarians operated on me before they <sighs> sent me home, but they, they made a mess. Oh, wow. So uh, it, it was so bad that the British surgeons didn't know what to do. Wow. And four, four of the major orthopedic hospitals in England said my leg, leg was going to get amputated. Yeah, and, I was just going to ask that. And like... I, I was, yeah, I was going to be in a wheelchair, but... Um, a charity heard my story in Malawi, in Africa. Wow. And a charity came from Africa and operated on me again. And thankfully, they put it right. Wow. Because they were going to amputate your leg. I mean, that makes sense. If they yeah. shattered the bone in the thigh, that's pretty high up there. And it's like, 
a big bone that has to support your body. And then if they put it back together wrong and it healed wrong, what do you do? They, they, they put a pen in my leg that was made of two different metals. <laughs> well, they must have run out of one kind. And it's like, a, did they, are you sure they didn't use duct tape to, instead of stitches to, to stitch well, up? They, 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 they hadn't got any medication. They operated on me in a basement of Varna Hospital with a hammer, chisel, and no painkillers. Wow. Whoa. So what was worse, being shot or being operated on after being shot? Being operated on after being shot. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, Bulgaria, what are you doing? This sounds like an expose on the country. <laughs> are you sure Bulgaria is not going to come after you? Uh, I don't mean to be. I don't... <laughs> well, uh, they, they give you the best shot. They're lost. I'm still here. Yeah, they so did. it's 1-0 England. Did, but did they, are you going to sue? Bo- I mean, can you, there's no one to sue in this situation, is there? Like, no, your life no. was, your life was dramatically altered and just yeah. detrimentally. And you had to change. I mean, and it's amazing what incredible struggle that you've gone through and that now you've written about it and that it's going to be a big thing. I mean, finally, some compensation for your pain. Because, I mean, that's got to be the hardest thing to deal with. It's just the emotional, like, this happened to me and not. Not having the someone recognize it and say, "Hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. We can help you." I mean, it's nice that the that they helped and did the operation from Malawi, but I'm surprised you don't have a huge chip on your shoulder and a lot of anger and resentment and just anger issues toward being victimized. I, 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 I'm, I'm never angry at anybody. You know, wow. life goes on. I'm here. You gotta keep smiling and keep going. That is like incredibly inspiring because, I mean, if if your situation, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. I would be like, so woe is me. I, I don't even know. Just four year, four and a half years of not being able to walk, and just like all of that painful um, rehabilitation. I, I mean. You're incredibly strong, and I'm so excited that, that this is coming out. Well, what else can you tell us about it? Again, you're John Cheatham out of England. Do you have any other – is there any way that people can become fans of yours or hear about what's going on in the process or I, – uh, I'm, I'm on the usual Instagram, Facebook, all, all the kind of things that I'm, I'm on all those. Um, so, yeah, I mean um, – hook up on Instagram or Facebook with me or something. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat with everybody about it. Well, your your book is called 36 Pins. Is that the name of the book? Yeah. 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 And so... That, that's, what I, that's what I have in my leg, apparently, now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a human voodoo doll. You've got 36 pins <laughs> holding you together. <laughs> yeah, Steve Austin was bionic, and I think I'm Lee Majors. Yeah, the bionic man with 36 pins. Um, and then you also said that you write music. Is the, yeah. Did you, did you do uh, that before? I, I you got, yeah, no, I, I just started since lockdown. I, I, I used to play around with words and things, but um, – 
Uh, I believe you've got a friend, Rob Adams. Yes, 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 yes. Daily. Yeah, well, uh, I put one of my poems on Facebook and he immediately hooked onto it. Oh, fantastic. He said, can I, put the, can I put this in a song? He said, I love, love the lyrics. I want this in a song. So he's done that for me. And, and now he wants more and more from me, which is great. That's fantastic. Well, it's great that you're being... Were you art, were you artistic before the ac- accident is the wrong word before the attempted murder were you um, were you creative like that or was that did that come after I think that came after wow um, I think that came after yeah um, sort of four and a half years I'm not doing much I've got post traumatic stress yeah. from from all this. And apparently, part of my brain closes off to pain. So I don't know if I'm in pain from anything. Wow. Which is quite odd. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I started um, writing then. Uh, but with this lockdown, it's all come to fruition. Sure. Yeah, because you've had all the time. Hey, if you don't feel any pain, you should maybe get into some tattoos. You could, uh, <laughs> you could just get them all over your body, and uh, it wouldn't no, hurt no, at all. No, It'd no. be amazing. Then, then you could really like be in the mafia, right? <laughs> like, get some yeah. some big some big tats all over. It'd be fun. Uh, hey, do you have anything else to share with our listening audience? This has been amazing. I'm so glad to have had this conversation with you, John Cheatham. I'm, I'm, the play, I'm pleased that you gave me the invite. I hope that. When, when this is all done, that we can perhaps meet up. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to travel to the US by the end of the year, but I'm uncertain of what's going on in America. You, yeah. You, things, are, things are not quite right there yet. No, not even close. And no one knows what's happening with opening up, with closing down California, where I am in San Francisco. They sort of opened us up a little bit, but then they just took it back and said, okay, everything's closed again. And we're like, I don't, what's going on? What's happening? And so and yeah. there, now there's new commercials on the TV with like people with masks on it. And that's the thing that's freaking me out the most is that popular culture is starting to adopt the normalization of wearing masks. And that's just... Yeah. I mean, we can adapt to anything. We're humans, obviously. You were shot in the leg when you were 39, and you not only survived, but now you're thriving. You're sur- thriving, and you can adapt to anything. I mean, I'm sure that if somebody asked me, could I be in a house doing recovery for four years, I'd be like, no, no way. But here you are on the other side, and uh, and now with new exciting opportunities coming your way. So, Yay! Yay for your suffering. No, I'm sorry. I'm making a joke. (laughs) The Buddhists would love you, right? All the suffering you've gone through, it makes you enlightened. It's perfect. Uh, So tell us, again, you're John Cheatham on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks. Can people find your book, 36 Pins, anywhere? Or they just have to wait for the... Uh, uh, Not not yet. Very, very shortly. Um, I've already had a call from the Mob Museum in Vegas. (gasps) Cool. So they, they've heard, heard the story of part of it and they want the book when it's out. Yeah, that's amazing. 
because I'm sure they have a, a gift shop, exit through the gift shop and buy this awesome nonfiction book. It isn't even fictionalized memoir. It's nonfiction. You're just telling the story. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, as soon as it's uh, out and ready, um, we've got this TV series named, I'm going to hook up everything with you, and then if you could pop that out again on the radio, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And, Anything uh, we can do to support. Maybe, maybe this year I can get out. So I'm hoping to meet up with Rob uh, out in Daly so yeah. uh, I, I can drop by San Francisco and uh, say hello. Absolutely. It would be uh, an honor and a privilege to meet you. I'm so happy you're alive. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, John Cheatham. Everybody look him up. Thanks so much for calling in to MutinyRadio.fm all the way from England here to San Francisco and have a wonderful day. I'll send you this. Um, you'll have a copy of this podcast to do whatever you like with, and we'll be playing it on mutiny radio over and over. So people can hear your fantastic story. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, have a great day. Care. All right. Uh, Yay. It's uh, it's Bug House Square. It's Tuesday. It's six o'clock, and uh, you know I'm just uh, in my mind saying six o'clock on Tuesday. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that? Vigilante man, I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bug House Square. Well, why? Oh, uh, let me tell you what I got. I got a. Uh, um, tell me why. I just went through and I picked things that um, I thought would be uh, uplifting. Yet, um, in his hand, uh, uh, a man. not necessarily sad, but you know. Uh, reflective, maybe, down in, in a sad kind of way. <laughs> so yes, it's two hours of sadness, and uh, no, no, not at all. It's um, it's it's not about sadness at all. It's about celebration. So uh, thanks for doing what you got to do to do. This is Buckhouse Square, it's Mutant Radio. Sleeping in some good warm place. Man, come along and we give him a little race. Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man. And he said, unite all you working men. Killed him in the river. Some strange man was that a vigilante man. Thank you. 
Oh, yeah, and I got some contributors in there, too. Oh, why does a vigilante man, why does a vigilante man carry that sword off? Shotgun in his hand, would he shoot his brother and sister down? I rambled around from town to town. I rambled around from town to town. And they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle. Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land. Taking you nowhere Angel Look at that sky, life's begun Nights are warm and the days are young
past our decree Through the shadows of the moonlight I walk my beat Then I close your window tight I might come in for a fight Oh yeah Get into places that nobody knows I'm always around if you want to meet You can find me on almost every street You always get me on the telephone I'll even come to your home if you're ever alone
Blowing my mind out 
evening. My name's Gladys. Uh, gonna try to be a little bit funny. God, it's so hard to remember how. Uh, I moved to a different city recently, and you know, when you do something like that, it can be so hard to meet new people. But boy, it's easy to meet old people. <laughs> they are eager to talk. Just right, just right on the bus. That's how I met my grandpa, actually. Uh, during COVID, been up to a lot of writing. Get a lot of writing done. I wrote a prequel to Jaws. No. It's called No Sharks Here. <laughs> Shark Free.
This is some slightly demonic twisted carnival music. Calliope music. For the slanted hallways of your mind. Just beyond the reach of your consciousness. It's the beast that pulls the levers. We can be as free as we want to be, that's what Albert says. Alfred, Alfred's world of trousers. The king of trousers in the greater Des Moines area. Come by for trousers, stay for the wisdom, leave enlightened. Alfred will set you straight. It's not as complicated as you think. We are going to continue on now with more Popol Vuh. Dort ist der Weg. Popol Vuh is a Belgian rock band that formed in 1971.
Letzte Tache, letzte Nacht. Yesterday and last night, I believe. Take a stab at it from my limited exposure to travel. This is Haram Di Ra from Popal Vu. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. 
They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking, quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. And it's personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex's The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! $4.99. I was just leaving the theater. <laughs> 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. Oh, up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in and on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Looking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday, noon two. On the freeway. Good feeling. I told you. Can I see? John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, until Gruber double-crossed him.
Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff, talk to Under. Go to SkinOnSkins.com. That's S-K-I-N-O-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather? Go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. He'll put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. The San Francisco Food Bank relies on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year, enough for 93.000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org 
slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help. Say